Thank you for having me tonight. It is such a privilege to speak to some of the most powerful people in the world, teenagers. There is something so exciting, so fresh about this crowd, the fun, the passion, the uncertainty, the questioning, the independence, the strength. One of the things that stands out most about the stage in life is searching for myself. It's probably the career of the teenager. I need to find myself. Who am I? What do I stand for? How am I going to make a difference? What am I going to make of my life? Who will I spend it with? These kinds of questions can and should be an incredible power for personal growth and for world growth. Searching for the answers to these questions can literally change the world. This quest, this searching, can also, however, get people lost in the forest of doubt, confusion, uncertainty, and lack of confidence. So let's look at the question, who am I? Did you ever ask yourself this question, who am I? There's a story about a merchant and his wagon driver who were captured by highway robbers. The community managed to ransom them, and as soon as they were freed, an argument broke out between the two of them. Each of the men claimed that he was the merchant and the other guy was the wagon driver. Why the argument, really? What difference does it make? Well, each one demanded that since he is the merchant, he deserves more money from the community. Like the Torah says, sufficient for his needs, which he is lacking. If he is the one who lost more money, he is the one who should get more money to help him get back on his feet. Obviously, one of them was lying, but the members of the community couldn't figure out which man was in fact the merchant and which guy was just the liar. So they brought the case to the old wise rabbi. After listening to both sides of the story, the rabbi said, listen, this is a complicated case. We'll have to get back to it in the morning. For now, let's get you guys settled for the night. What is it that you need? What can we do to help you get you settled and rested? The first one said, please, I need a toothbrush. I need some shampoo. I need a bottle of cologne. The other guy said, you know what would make me so happy right now? I need a loaf of bread. I want a plate full of herring and a bottle of beer. That was it, case was closed. The rabbi looked at the first guy who wanted a shower and a toothbrush and said, this man is the merchant. And he looked at the guy who wanted herring and a beer and he said, this guy is the wagon driver. How did the rabbi know? He heard what each of them wished for. And so he knew who each of them was. The things that we wish most deeply for describe who we really are. So what do each of us truly, truly wish for? What is our deepest passion? What is our drive? In Tanya, the Alter Rebbe describes the deepest self of a Jew. He tells us about the deepest truth that lies at the heart of every Jewish person. The Alter Rebbe says, do you know who a Jew is? A Jewish person is someone who, no matter what she's been through, no matter how many mistakes she's made, when it comes to that moment of truth, when it comes to a test of faith in Hashem, a Jew is someone who would die rather than separate from Hashem. This happened throughout Jewish history, unfortunately. How many times did Jews give up their life so as not to turn their back on Hashem? The people who gave up their lives were not just the rabbis and the rebbitons. They were also the liars and the thieves, the people who didn't seem to care about Yiddishkeit. In the cemetery of Berdichev, there was a grave with a strange inscription. It said, here lies Yassel, the holy thief. What was the story? Who was this man? Everyone called him Yassel the Ganev, the thief. He was a pretty skilled thief that successfully made his way into just about every home in town. One day, Yassel and some of his buddies 
decided it was time to go for bigger game. Why should they go from house to house making small robberies when they could rob the enormous treasures of the local church in one shot? He also was the guy chosen to climb through a window while his buddies stood outside on guard. Just then, a watchman passed by and noticed something was funny. Terrified, Yussel's friends scampered away into the dark night and Yussel was left alone. The guard notified the others and soon Yussel was trapped inside. He was caught red-handed. The crime was considered so serious and Yussel was swiftly sentenced to death. The day arrived. The entire town came out to witness the burning at stake. Moments before the horrible sentence was to be carried out, the preach approached Yussel and announced that he had mercy on him and he wanted to save his life. If Yussel would convert, his life would be spared and he would be honored and celebrated. Everyone stopped in silence. No, shouted Yussel. I will never convert. I, Yussel the Ganev, transgressed many sins, but I was born a Jew and I will die a Jew. Yussel was burned at stake, Al-Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying Hashem's name. On his tombstone were engraved the words, here lies Yussel, the holy Ganev. This story describes the mystery of a Jew. Logically, it makes no sense, but it's not about logic. This is about our nature, the nature of a Jew, a transcendent nature. It is our truest and deepest self. A Jew is someone who possesses a nefesh elikis, a divine soul. And the nature of this soul is to constantly try to escape and melt away in Hashem, even if it means losing its own identity. So that's who we are at our core. We are someone who loves Hashem so deeply and wishes to melt away in Him. Each of us has a deep soul condition. Do you know what Shlomo HaMelech calls our soul condition? He says that we are lovesick. Each of us wishes more than anything else to melt away in Hashem. Each of us would rather die than turn our back on Him, chas v'shalom. The problem is that we often don't know the reason why we feel that inner ache, that inner longing and void. We misidentify it. We try to quiet it with the wrong things. We try to fill that void with a roller coaster. We want to fill it with chocolate. We try with gossip. Now, while gossip is obviously wrong and poisonous to the soul, there's nothing wrong with a roller coaster or some chocolate every once in a while. The only thing is you have to remember that a roller coaster, chocolate, or the latest iPhone is not going to do it for you. While they might be delicious or fun or exciting, they're not going to fill your void. In order for something to satisfy you, it has to be exactly what you wanted in the first place. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you ate too many carrots that you had to tell yourself, that's it, stop it, no more carrots? That probably never happened to you. Now, what about cookies or cake or ice cream? When was the last time you had to tell yourself, stop? This happens already more often. This is something that happens all the time. But why is that? Because when you wanted to eat a carrot, there was something in that carrot that your body was looking for. There was vitamin A, there was niacin, there was fiber, there was energy. And when you ate the carrot, you got it. It was what you needed. It was what you were looking for. And it's exactly what you got. You didn't have to start eating a whole bunch more. But then when you ate that cake, what were you looking for? There was something that you craved that you were looking for in the cake that the cake just couldn't offer. Possibly you were looking for vitamins in the wrong place, or possibly you were looking for love or acceptance, but whatever it was, the cake couldn't give it to you. So you weren't satisfied and you felt like you needed more. That's how it is when our soul is searching. Let's take a moment to acknowledge this to ourselves. Our soul is longing. There's a void that we each try to fill, a hunger that we try to satisfy. And it isn't going to be satisfied with chocolate, with name brand clothing, with more popularity or the latest iPhone. 
Those are all like the piece of cake that isn't giving your body what it needs, what it came looking for. If you wanna satisfy your soul, you need to give it what it wants. Your soul craves a relationship with Hashem. Your deepest self wants to unite with Hashem and to be an expression of Him in this world. In Tanya, the Alter Rebbe explains the seemingly obvious statement of the Navi Yeshaya. Yeshaya Navi says, Hi, call Same Lechulam Ayim. Ho, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. Really? Do we need a Navi to tell us this? What's this supposed to mean? Do we really need a prophet to teach us that if we are thirsty, we should take a drink of water? This is something that most parents teach their children when they are growing up. And let's say we're going to interpret this Pasuk on a deeper level. Let's say that we're going to say, water is Tyra. Still, it's obvious. If you are thirsty, go learn Tyra. It doesn't seem to need a prophet to explain this to us. That's not what the Nebi is saying, though. If you are thirsty, take a drink. If you want to study Tyra, go study Tyra. You know what the Nebi is teaching us? He's teaching us a profound truth regarding our relationship to Hashem. Yeshai HaNavi is telling us, if you are thirsty for Hashem, if your soul aches, if you are lovesick, if you feel like you need to connect, how are you going to do it? Hashem is not a person, Hashem, who you can hug with your arms, but you can hug him. You can connect with him in the way that he made himself available, and that is through the Torah. You yearn for Hashem, your soul is thirsty and longing, Go study Tyra. Go keep the mitzvahs. In this way, you can give your soul, your deepest self, what it truly desires. This is the reason why people who did not keep Tyra mitzvahs for a long time might suddenly find themselves crying when doing a mitzvah. As teenage yeshiva students, my husband and his friends would go on mitzvahim down a main boulevard, visiting the shops to put tefillin on people. There was an old man on their route who used to throw them out every single time angrily. Get out of here, he would yell at them. And they would leave. But in good teenage spirits, they would look forward to coming back next week. How exciting to get thrown out of the store. One week, my husband asked the man, you want to put on tefillin? And quite shockingly, instead of the usual, get out of here, the man said yes. So they wrapped up tefillin and my husband began to say Shema with him. Shema, Yisrael, Hashem. And the man suddenly broke down and cried. He literally began weeping profusely. What happened suddenly? This was the tough and hearted man who threw out the yeshiva boys angrily every single week. Why is he crying? You know why he was crying? He was crying because his divine soul was finally given a chance to speak up, finally given a means of expression. All of those years, his soul hoped and yearned to connect with Hashem, but it wasn't given a chance. And now that it was finally given the opportunity, a flood of emotions overwhelmed him and poured forth. So let's wrap up what we said until now. We said, who am I? I am a unique divine essence, a part of Hashem himself, who longs at my very core to melt away in Hashem. How can I satisfy my soul? By connecting to Hashem through Torah and mitzvahs. It sounds pretty simple, and maybe it's not. But on the other hand, it really, really is. If we want to be truest to ourselves, to our souls, if you want to satisfy the craving of our deepest self, we can connect to Hashem in the way that He gave us. Hashem is infinite. We are finite. There is no way that a limited, finite being can bridge an infinite gap. But Hashem can bridge that gap, and He does. He threw us a rope, and that is Tyra and Mitzvahs. When we grab onto that, we literally grab onto infinity. Okay, but this is all from our divine soul perspective. That's only part of the picture. There's a reason why things are not so smooth sailing, sailing all, always. And that is because we don't just have one soul, we have two souls, which makes things a lot 
more complicated. We often see ourselves from the animal soul perspective and we think that's who we really are and that that's what we want and that's gonna make us happy. So again, the author teaches in Tanya that our animal soul comes from the Sitra Akhara, which has absolutely nothing to it. It's fate, it's darkness. What is darkness? What are its properties? How do we fight against it? Darkness is absolutely nothing. It has no properties. All it is, is the absence of light. You must never ever forget that. It's not who we are. It's the darkness that tries to hide our deepest essence so that we lose sight of our precious essence. The only power that the animal soul has is excellent packaging. It has a great PR agent. But when you open up that enticing looking package, you are usually disappointed. It's the well-wrapped present box at the bean auction. Totally, disappointingly empty. There's the story of the charismatic popular Robert who has the whole town chasing after him, trying to see what he has in his hand. He's running down the street and everyone's after him and he screams, look what I have in my right hand. When the people finally catch up to him, Robert opens up his empty hands and says, ta-da, nothing. But then the chase starts again. Look what I have in my left hand and still the people chase after him. We have to remember that even though the power of the evil forces in this world seems so real and so strong, the truth of the matter is they have no real substance. There is nothing to them up against the powers of holiness. We must look at our superficial self in the eye and say, you are not me. At my deepest, truest essence, I am part of Hashem himself. I am here as a messenger of Hashem to change this world and to bring light to everyone around me. And what about the mistakes that we made? Can I suddenly just be good when I did things that I shouldn't have? That would make me a hypocrite. No, that is not true. Look at a person who does some really good things. She was kind to others. She concentrated more deeply on davening. She learned something extra, or she went on miftsayim, and then she flopped. She made a big mistake. So what does she think? It's a strange thing, but a person will often say to herself, all those good things that I did weren't for real. My good actions were probably false. I'm just a hypocrite, a regular hypocrite. Isn't it strange that when a person does good things and bad things, she automatically assumes it's the good things that she does that makes her a hypocrite? It's the good things she has to drop in order to be authentic and genuine? Honestly, do you know where this nonsense, this illogical thought come from? It's just another crazy idea from the Yetzirah, the darkness within us. You know where the hypocrisy is in this scenario? It's the bad stuff. Those are the acts that are hypocritical. That's when you weren't being true to your deepest self. That's not who you are. Let me tell you a story from the Gemara. Elazar ben Dordaya was a pretty sinful person. He almost never missed an opportunity to sin. One time, a woman of low moral character said to him, you know, you're so bad. There's no hope for you at all. You're just a lost cause. You could never do teshiva. Suddenly it hit him. Suddenly he felt intense regret for his bad choices and he wished to return to Hashem. He felt so hopeless and he called out for help. He called out, mountains and hills, ask mercy for me. Ask mercy for you, they said. We must ask for mercy for ourselves. Heaven and earth, ask mercy for me. Mercy for you, we need for ourselves. Sun and moon, ask mercy for me. Ask mercy for you, but we must ask for mercy for ourselves. Stars and planets, ask mercy for me. Ask mercy for you, but we need mercy ourselves. Getting no help from anyone outside of himself, Elazar ben Dodiah said, if so, it all depends on me alone. He put his head between his knees and cried and cried and cried with such an anguished soul and such remorse that he died. A voice came out from Shemayim and said, Rabbi Elazar ben Dodiah is destined for Elam Haba, life in the world to come. 
When Rabbeinu HaKadosh, Rabbi Yehuda Nazi, heard the story, he cried and he said, there are those who acquire their world with many years of work, and there are those who acquire their world in one hour, in one sha'a, in one brief instance of self-realization and self-transformation. I once heard a rabbi speak about the story and he asked, why was Rebbe crying? He should have been happy for Elazar ben What takes other people so many years he was able to accomplish in such a short amount of time. Why the tears? Do you know why Rabbi Hodanasi was crying? He was crying because he saw how Elazar ben called by Shemayim as Rabbi Elazar ben was able to achieve so much by tapping into his truest essence in one dying moment. Can you imagine what he could have accomplished if he would have lived with this great deep awareness for a lifetime? How much he could have achieved? He could have achieved salvation, not just for himself, but for the entire world. He could have changed the world forever. Guess what? Each of us has this incredible power and we could each tap into it to change the world forever. So to summarize, yes, we have an incredible divine soul, but we also have a dark side. However, our dark, dark side is a fake and we should never define ourselves by it. True, we each have our challenges and our struggles. Some of those challenges are enormous. Sometimes we fail, but that doesn't describe in any way who we are. That is not who we are. We are not our challenges and our struggles. We are a chilek eleka imam mamish, literally a part of Hashem himself. We have an incredible connection that reaches far beyond the finite world, right into the infinite reality of Hashem. Each of us can look into ourselves and remember what we want most deeply, and that is to be close to Hashem and to spread the awareness of Him to the entire world. We can do this by studying more Torah, by practicing restraint and not giving in to the Yetzirah, by going the extra mile for a friend and for be by being a good example. And besides the question that each of us should ask ourselves, what is something special that only I can do? Remember, doing the things that everyone can do, but a lot of people don't is special and so precious in a unique way. Reaching out to someone who seems down, resisting giving into a dark or miserable or angry mood and refocusing our minds and hearts on positive thoughts, trying harder to understand what we are learning, giving Shabbos candles to someone who doesn't get light, paying more attention when davening. Each of these seemingly small acts is huge. Each of them will get us in touch with our deepest, truest self and will change the world forever. May this happen immediately, right now, with the coming of Mashiach Tzitkenu.